Uh, this morning, we will continue our, or not continue, but before that, I'd like to show some images and we'll have a short game. I want you to tell me what these images show or what is the news related to these images. North Korea, Kim Jong-un. It's the U.S. airstrike in Syria. This is the Paris Climate Change Agreement. Okay, extremist, terrorism. Okay, Marawi or Mindanao martial law. Homeless, downtown LA. Okay. It's obvious, no job, no money. Okay, the student is so stressed with his studies. Okay. That house? What else? Chabu drug addiction. Broken family, family dysfunction. Broken heart. <laughs> Health problem. Right? You know, every day we're being bombarded with all sorts of news. Okay, when you open the TV, now we seldom listen to the news on, on, on the radio. But wherever we go, we hear bad news. Right? Facebook was supposed to be intended as to connect with other people social media but now facebook is becoming a venue or a vehicle for news right we hear we hear a lot of bad stuff around us okay there's a lot of issues there's a lot of problem and the world is not getting any better and many people many people are are affected Many people are devastated, right? We are all affected. Just recently, there was an announcement in our company that the Reyes Holdings are going to purchase Coca-Cola uh, West operating unit. And as a result, many of us will lose our jobs. Okay, in fact, the positions that are being vacated now are not being filled. 
problems, right? But you know what? Praise God in, that in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 7, it says, Trust in the Lord, everybody. I encourage you to memorize this scripture because every time when these things would come or we listen, we hear all of this news, it is always best, best to contra it with the word of God. I like what it says in the Amplified Version. It says, trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart. Trust in and rely confidently sometimes we just trust people we just trust things but trusting it confidently spells the difference trust in the Lord with all your heart your whole being trust in the Lord with your career trust in the Lord in your studies Trust in the Lord with all our hearts, our whole being. And the problem with many people is we always rely on our own selves. And the book of Psalms says, and lean not in your own insight or understanding. We have different sets of paradigm. We have set the different ways of how we would approach a problem. But the word of God is telling us, we need to trust in the Lord, not in our own self. Not in our own understanding. Not in our own wisdom. Not in our own wealth. But trust in the Lord. And it says, in all your ways, in whatever we do, we need to acknowledge that it is God. If you recall, a while back I shared about the admonition of Joshua to his people. He said that God is going to bring us into a place flowing with milk and honey. But it is God. It is God. It is not us. It is not on our own understanding. It's not on our own abilities. It's not on our own education. But it is God. Wherever you are right now, you might be a doctor, you might be a lawyer, you might be a successful businessman. You are like that because of God. And it says if you do that, God is going to direct your steps. Because the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Do not be wise in your own understanding. Let's not do things with our own discarte. Let's do it God's ways. Amen? Amen? A while back, this is our front yard. This used to be manicured with, with very nice grass. Because when my dad was alive, he would play golf in this area. So it's a well-manicured place. But obviously because of water crisis, 
difficult to maintain and I actually don't play golf. This was left and we decided to remove all the grass and replace it with black stones accented with white and, and, and red uh, mulch. Unfortunately, every time I inspect my craft or my handiwork, I would always see some diggings, especially on the mulch. And when you try to even it again, you can see some poops from the cat. Have you experienced that, those of you who have gardens? Sometimes you have a good garden and then all of a sudden somebody will do their own thing in your garden. That's what I've been experiencing. And, and you know, I spent a lot of time, money to fix this one. And this freaking cat is attacking my garden. So I said, I am going to take matters into my own hands. Okay? Who of you here loves to do hunting? Huh? We'll do some demonstration here. Now, let me ask you, how many of you believes that I can hit that balloon at, at probably, no need to prove? No, I, I want to see hands, those who believe that I can hit that balloon. Okay. How many of you? would like to hold the balloon <laughs> while I hit it. Huh? Any volunteer? Hill, okay, Hill. Hill. I, I actually have a waiver. Okay, honestly, who'd like to volunteer? Of what hill you're being volunteered? Oh, George. Okay. Who would like to hold the balloon in his teeth? You know what? Most of the time we say that we trust God. But when God tells us to do something, especially if it's a discomfort, we just don't want to do it. Right? Or it's just me? Okay, let's try. Oftentimes, we say, oh, I believe in God. I have faith in Him. But, God, but when God tells us to do something, 
Lord, no, not me. James chapter 2, 26 says, Faith without works is dead. No matter how we confess that we have faith and believe in God, and don't follow or obey God, James 2.26 applies to you. Faith without works is dead. I remember while back in the Philippines, we have somebody who joins us, he's a businessman, who joins us in our D group in Cubao. We visited his place and he professed to be a follower of Christ. So one time we were talking and I noticed that there are some statutes and some altars in his business place. And I asked him about that. And he said in Tagalog, Pastor, nagbabaka sakali lang. Because if God don't bless me, I think this guy with a big stomach or belly can bless my business. It's funny that many Christians are like that. Right? Right? We say, we say, well, I believe in God. I know that He's going to bless me. And yet, when trials would come, we do things our own way. The title of my message this morning is Faith in Faith. Faith in faith. You know, trusting God should be the bedrock of our being. In everything we do, whatever we say, whether we are in the office, whether we are just plain housewife, whether we are a businessman, whether we are a doctor, a lawyer, we should be trusting God in everything. The question is, are we really trusting God? And how do we trust God? It's easy to say we're going to trust God, but you know, how are we going to put it into practice? Most of the time, we have the propensity to trust ourselves. Right? I remember in the book of Daniel, chapter 3, it's the story of the three Hebrew children when they were ordered by King Nebuchadnezzar to bow down when they hear the trumpet. And these three Hebrew children decided not to bow down. And the king was furious. And this is what they said. We believe in our God and we will only serve, this, serve our God. And even if our God does not deliver us from your hands, we will still serve our God. Is that our posture in life? According to Charles Spurgeon, he said, to trust God in the light is nothing. But trust him in the dark, that is faith. That is faith. Let's see, why is it important to have faith? 
The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Everybody, please. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why is that? Because without faith, we will try to do things our way. Without faith, we will try to work in order to please God. Unfortunately, our works are like rags in the eyes of God. That's why faith is necessary. Faith is necessary for our salvation. Faith is necessary in everything that we do. But what is faith? Hebrews 11.1, 1, everybody please. Okay, let's look at the background of the book of Hebrews. Actually, the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews is kind of unknown. Unlike in the other epistle, it's very clear that it was Apostle Paul. The book of Hebrews were written to the Christian Jews. Okay, and these Christian Jews, they were waiting for the coming of Jesus because Jesus promised that I'm going to come back again. And these people or these Christians are experiencing a lot of persecutions in their lives. And because of that, a lot of them are already thinking of leaving the Christian faith and going back to Judaism. So the, the author of Hebrews is writing to them. And if you read from Hebrews chapter 1 to 10, he was explaining that in Christ, there are more benefits than for them following the law. And he was also explaining that Christ is a lot greater than the law. That's why Hebrews 11 verse 1 started with the word now. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Let us dissect Hebrews 11 verse 1. Faith. Faith in Greek is pistis. In order for us really to understand the meaning of the verse, it is always good to refer back to the original translation. The Old Testament was written in, Hebrews, in, 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 in Hebrew, while the New Testament was written in Greek or translated in Greek. Now it says that pistis is always a gift from God and never something that can be produced of people. In short, pistis or faith for the believer is God's divine persuasion and therefore distinct of human belief. In my study about faith, I've discovered that there are actually three types of faith, generally. We have the gift of faith, we have the fruit of faith, and we have the measure of faith. 
we will not dive into all of these types of faith this morning. But for, for our purpose of discussion, we'll be talking about the measure of faith. And the measure of faith starts on salvation. The moment we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, faith gives us, God gives us the gift of faith. God gives us that gift of faith. Why? Because we are not capable of having faith ourselves. When we hear the word of God, when the word of God is preached, the Holy Spirit deals with us. The Bible says in John that God draws us to himself. And one of the role of the Holy Spirit is to convict man of sin. So the moment we hear the word of God, the Holy Spirit begins to work in the life of that person. And God endows faith in us. And as we continue to read or hear the Word of God, that faith grows. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So the second, the second keyword that I'd like us to look at is the word assurance. Assurance in Greek is hypothesis, or it means standing under guaranteed agreement, standing on a cemented footings, meaning it's legal. It's something in, 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 in amplified version, it says that it is a title deed. What is a title deed? It is something that you can rely on no matter what. No matter what. It is legal. It is something that even if everything falls, you can still rely on it. Assurance. You're standing on solid ground. You're standing on cemented ground. Nothing can move you. Okay? So the third one, things. The things in Greek is called pragma, and that includes all our affairs in life. All our affairs in life, whatever we do, that includes our salvation, that includes our health, everything. Your business, your day-to-day -day thing is covered by this word pragma. And the next key word is the word hope. Hope is elpizo. In Greek, to hope, actively waiting for God's fulfillment. The key word there is actively waiting. You know, we can just hope for things and then, eh, bahala na. But when you actively wait, you are always expectant that God is going to do something. It is the conviction. In Greek, it's elektros. It is a proof conviction. It is an evidence, a reproof. It's an inner conviction coming from within us. And that conviction is always focused on God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is what? Who is the author and perfecter of faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne 
of God. The object of our faith should be focused on Jesus. Because many people can say, Pastor Reg, I'm so sincere. Unfortunately, many people are sincerely wrong in what they're doing. True faith, biblical faith, should only be focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember when, in my younger years, we had the project in Calatrava, in Negros. Um, from Bacolod City to Calatrava, that place is infested by the New People's Army. So they were saying that it's not safe for you to travel the road going to Calatrava. So we were advised that, okay, we will just bring you to Calatrava by taking the 19-seater plane. Okay, it's a small plane, single engine. So we went to Calatrava. It was good, it was nice. Okay, and after the project, on our way back to Bacolod City, the plane won't start. It just won't start. And then the pilot said, don't worry, don't worry. This is good. This is good. So the pilot left the cockpit. He was wearing slippers and shorts. He went outside. He removed the spark plug. <laughs> Put back the spark plug. And then the engine started again. So everybody was so afraid. Okay? They were saying, what is going to happen to us? So you know what? Me? Eh, I went to sleep. So we landed in Bacolod, safe and sound. The pilot said, no, it's okay. His focus is, this plane is okay. Three months later, we discovered, we learned that the plane crashed. You know, many people put their faith on faulty things. The moment we put our faith in faulty things, we may be just like that plane who will eventually crash. But if we put our faith on the solid foundation, which is Jesus Christ, we will never go wrong. We will never go wrong. We cannot put on faith on material things. We cannot put our faith on religion. It is only Jesus Christ. But Pastor Reg, how do we know? That's why we are encouraging you to read the Bible. Because the Bible tells us, this is the Word of God, this is the Logos Word of God. It tells us what the, the attributes and characteristics of God. And as we learn the attributes and characteristics of God, then we can always rely on what God is telling us. There's a Bible character. I know most of you, many of you know about this. But let's have a summary or a review of this Bible character. His name is Abraham. In Hebrews 11, 
verse 8, it says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. If you recall, Abraham was living in the place called Ur. And God called him and told Abraham, Abraham, I want you to leave this country. I want you to leave your, your parents. I want you to leave your relatives. And I will bring you to a place flowing with milk and honey. Unfortunately, at the time, they don't have map. They don't have a GPS. So Abraham was just relying step by step what God, where God is going to lead him. But by faith, Abraham without hesitation, obeyed what God has told him to do. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. In fact, he was dislocated. Even if Abraham experienced inconvenience, he still continued to follow God. There are some people when inconvenience would come, they say, no, I give up. But with Abraham, no. Even if he is inconvenient, he said, I will continue to obey God. By faith, Abraham obeyed obeyed God. For he was looking for the city which has foundations and whose architect and builder is God. Abraham was banking on the promise of God. If we are not reading the word of God, how will we know the promise of God to our, to our lives? That's why we encourage you. Let's read the word of God. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. We all know that Sarah gave birth at a very uh, old age. Even if she's not capable of giving birth, God opened her womb. Why? Because that was the promise that God has given them. Now, Abraham, part of this, all this died in faith. When Abraham died, he did not even see the promise that God has told him. All this died in faith without receiving the promises, but having faith or having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. So when Abraham died, the promise that God gave him was not even realized. Partly, they will realize. But the ultimate promise of God to them has not come to pass yet. But the Bible says that even that, Abraham maintained his faith in God. He did not depend himself on what he's seeing. You know, we don't, when we have faith in God, just like Peter, when God asked him to step out of the boat and walked on the water. 
Peter, not mindful of the waves, stepped out of the boat. And what happened? He was able to walk on water. But the moment Peter turned to the left and to the right, and when he saw the waves, what happened? Started to sink. The moment we allow our senses to overrule our faith in God, we will start to sink just like Peter. We don't need our sight if we are going to have faith. It is going to be our spiritual eye who can see beyond the situation that we are into. Faith is the vehicle or it is the channel that makes everything possible. The Bible says in Matthew that with God, all things are possible. But in the book of Mark, Jesus said, if you believe, all things can be possible. If you look at the original translation of Greek, the word believe is actually means the application of faith. We may just believe, but if you don't apply faith, which is the gift from God, then still won't be able to realize it. So it is the vehicle in which everything can be possible, including our salvation. In John chapter 16, the Holy Spirit is very active in the regeneration process of the individual. The work of the Holy Spirit is the one that makes us born again. It is not us. For by grace are you safe to faith. It is the gift. What is a gift? It is given to you. You don't have to work for a gift. You know, during Christmas, who among you have seen a Christmas tree? <laughs> what do you see underneath the Christmas tree? Gifts. Gifts. A Christmas tree is actually dead, right? And what do you see? Gifts. The gift has nothing to do with the tree. Okay, that's the gift of God. But the fruit of faith, how many of you have seen an apple tree? What does the apple tree bear? Apple. The fruit of faith is a result of John chapter 15. If you abide in me, if we abide in Jesus, we, were, we will bear fruit. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it highlights the fruit of faith. As we abide in Jesus, Jesus bears the fruit through us. Right? And what is your role? You are just a fruit hanger. 
But the gift of faith that God is giving us in salvation has nothing to do with you. It has something to do with God's grace. It has something to do with God's love for each and every one of us. Hebrews 11.13. Oh, I'm sorry. So we talk about Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9. For by grace we have been saved through faith, not of works, not of looks. Even if you're talented, you can't do anything about it. Period, 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 period. Because the moment we try to earn salvation, we are just insulting God. You know what? How many of you have given gifts to, to somebody during Christmas? To anyone on Christmas? Probably you buy a shirt. Okay, I buy a shirt and then I give it, say for example, to Timmy. Whenever I see Timmy wearing the shirt that I give him, I feel happy. Right? But if you don't see the person wearing the gift that you gave that person, how do you feel? Oh, why is he not wearing the gift that I gave him? Probably he doesn't like. Or he would ask, Timmy, kasya ba sayo? Right? Right? Okay. When God offers that gift, God is expecting us to receive the gift. To open the gift and use the gift. The moment you start using the gift, you are cultivating the gift of faith that God has given you. Many people, God is already offering Libre, libre, ay ayoko. Right? It's, it's funny sometimes after church, and you know, my wife would ask me, oh, where are we going to eat? Come on, let's just go to Costco. Right? Oh, di ba merong libre? Maraming libre, pati drinks, libre, or it's just me. You know what? God is so happy and delighted whenever you receive the gift. It's already free, come on. Why won't you grab it? Even because even if you pay for it, you cannot pay for it. Nothing is free in this world. Salvation is not free because the very life of the Son of God died on the cross and His blood was used to pay for our sins. And He is just giving it to us for free. For free. All we need to do is by faith, Receive the gift. Acts chapter 16, verse 31. They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, 
you and your household. The word believe, if you recall, we defined earlier faith. Faith in Greek is called pistis. Believe in Acts chapter 16 in Greek is pisteo. What is pisteo? Pisteo means to have faith. To have faith. And where does that faith come from? The faith comes from God. All you need to do is grab that free gift that God is giving us and apply it. How do you apply it? By believing in the Lord Jesus. And the Bible says, you will be saved. Amen? Amen? You know, when I was reading this verse last night, I was so excited. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 to 10. You know, we've been reading this. Most of us even memorize this, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. I went and researched online and looked through an interlinear translation of this verse. And this is what I found. I'm sorry, it's kind of it's small. Okay? As I said earlier, the original translation of the New Testament was in Greek. So for us to really understand what the verse means, it, all, it is always best that, if we, that we go back to the original translation. Now, this interlinear translation translated the Greek in English how it was written without looking at the grammar. So I will read this one because it's too small for you, for you guys. Uh, that if you confess the saying with the mouth of you, Lord Jesus, and believe in the heart of you, that God him raised from among the dead, you will be saved. There's a particular word that I'd like to bring your attention. It is the word confess. What does confess mean? Because everybody, anybody can confess. I always confess that I'm handsome. And every time I say that, I believe it. Now everybody, including my wife, she already believe it. Okay, so let's go back. The word saying in Greek is rhema. The Bible, this one, is the Logos Word of God. The moment you open your Bible and you read it, and something pops up into you, because the Holy Spirit is dealing with you on that particular verse, what happens? It becomes alive. It becomes alive. Are you following? It becomes alive. That is called the Rhema Word of God. 
it becomes alive because that word of God is going to change somebody else's life. So it's going to change your life. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. As you continue to hear the word of God, that Logos word of God, the Holy Spirit comes into the picture, get that Logos word of God and plants it in your heart, it becomes the living word of God. And that's where faith starts to grow. Our faith will never grow if we are not spending our time with the word of God. God expects us to cultivate the faith that he has planted in our hearts. Because the moment we don't cultivate the faith that God planted in our hearts, what happened? Sin will start to creep in. Didn't you notice if you don't spend time with God, if you don't read the Word of God, what happens? Your mind starts to wander with a lot of things. But if you spend time with the Lord, time in prayer, time reading the Word of God, faith comes by hearing, not only once, by hearing twice, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing the Word of God. Do you want your faith to grow? I want my faith to grow. Why? Not to show it off so that I will have power over sin in my life. I want my faith to grow because it benefits me. It makes me grow into Christ-likeness. The moment you don't cultivate the soil surrounding the plant, what happens? Weeds will grow. If you leave your plants without even cultivating it, removing the grass, what happens? By the time comes, these weeds will choke the plant. Do you want your spiritual life to be choked? Of course not. We wanted our spiritual life to grow. And the only way that it will grow is to have our faith grow. And the only way that that faith will grow is for us to be soaking ourselves through reading or hearing the Word of God. That's why in salvation, we just don't ask somebody, overcome here and raise your hands, Lord, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. No. We need to share the Word of God first. We need to have the person understand what is salvation, what Christ has done on the cross for him. He needs to hear the gospel because by hearing the gospel, God endows that seed of faith in the heart of that person. Are you following? The assurance of eternal life is the essence of the gospel. The gospel talks of Jesus, and Jesus is our salvation. The word of God from Genesis to Revelation, it brings out God's plan to humanity, 
And what is that plan? For you and me to be saved. What is the gospel? In First, Second Corinthians 15, 3-5, it says, For what I receive, I pass on to you. As of first importance, what happens? Christ died for our sins. Didn't you notice how many times they mentioned this verse mentioned according to scriptures? Twice. It is giving emphasis that we will not, never learn or know the gospel unless we go back to the scripture. For what I receive, I pass on to you, number one, Christ died for our sins. Salvation is not free. Because what? Christ died for your sins. Imagine the Son of God, the creator of the universe, the King of Kings, stooped down in this earth because He loves you and me. to die on the cross so that instead of us paying the penalty he paid it in our behalf and when he died he was buried he was buried other religions the religious leaders they all died they were buried but the difference is on the third day Jesus rose from the dead. That is our assurance. That is our hope. That is the conviction of our faith. Our Savior rose again on the third day. Because if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then what we are talking about is nothing. They said it's baloney. But because he died on the cross, he was buried and he rose again. That gives us that hope. That gives us that eternal life. Amen? Amen. Let's watch this one.
know Jesus. I believe it's God's mercy that brought me here right now. How can you call that mercy? Because that car could have killed you instantly. And I'm sure right now you probably wish that it did. But I'm here to tell you that it's a gift. Because a God that you don't believe in has given you another chance. Another chance to change your final answer. I, I don't want to die, but I'm so scared. If any consolation, so is Jesus. He's so scared he's sweating blood. He asked the Father if it could be removed from him, but the answer was no. He says no a lot. He gives us the answer we'd ask for if we knew what he knows. Because of God's mercy, God allowed this gentleman to have a few more minutes to realize that he needs a savior. This clip was taken from the film, God's Not Dead. He was the professor. He used to be a Christian, but because he experienced a lot in his life, I think his grandmother died. He turned his back from God, started to curse God, and even started to challenge Christian faith. But God, in his mercy, allowed him a few minutes before he died to change his answer. I don't know with you guys, if I ask you, do you have faith in Jesus? Yes. Some of us will say yes because most of us here are born again. But do we really have faith in Jesus? Just like when I held this BB gun, you said that you believe that I can hit that. You said that you believe in Jesus. 
But are we willing to obey Him? Are we willing to follow Him? I don't know your answer. I think it's about time that we re-examine ourselves. Are we really a follower of Jesus? And for those of us who have not come to faith in Jesus, you know, there is a simple prayer that you can always pray. You know, there's nothing magic in this prayer. Well, before, I only know that God is an American because every time people pray, they pray in English. If you want to pray in English, pray in English. If you want to pray in Tagalog or whatever dialect it is, you can. This is just an example. The prayer cannot save you. Prayer is just our response to the gift that God is offering George, that is offering you and offering me. It goes like this, Lord God, I admit I am a sinner, full of poison of sin. You know, we're a sinner. We cannot do anything about it. I thank you for providing a solution. Your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for my sins. Today, I put my trust in him totally to save me from eternal death. I would like to open my heart and invite you, Lord Jesus, to come into my life. Thank you for forgiving my sins and for your gift of eternal life. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming into my heart. Give me the desire to want to know you more and more and make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. If that's the prayer of your heart, I would like to congratulate you. God has already welcomed you in his family. But if not, it's about time that we begin to examine ourselves. How is my faith in Jesus? Am I willing to obey him 100%? You know, a lot of us, we just celebrated the Memorial Day. And I know that a lot of us enjoyed the company of friends and families, right? We had barbecues. Okay, we invited our family members. Come on, let's have dinner. Let's eat together. You know, as a family, as a body of Christ, we also have a meal. And what is that meal? That meal is called the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is an invitation, or God is inviting all the believers, we belong to the same family, to partake of the Lord's Supper. This is a family affair. If you have come to faith in Christ, we would like to invite you to partake of the Lord's Supper. In 1 Corinthians 11:23, 23, 
It says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, these are among the last activities or events that Jesus did. He said, do this in remembrance of me. I remember I was talking to a certain guy and their parents are already dead years ago. But every birthday of their dad, they have a family gathering. And he told me, before dad passed away, he told us that as a family that we need to gather, have fellowship, enjoy a meal. So when Jesus died on the cross, he told his church, his body, that we need to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it again in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Why do we need to proclaim the Lord's death? Because the Lord's death meant your salvation. The Lord's death means hope for you and me. The Lord's death means healing from our, for our sicknesses. The Lord's death means that He's going to bless you and me. The Lord's death means salvation, not only to us, but also to our household. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. And we are being encouraged, admonished, but a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. I would like to invite all of you to partake of the Lord's Supper, and then we will eat all together. Just get the bread and get the, the cup. Come, I encourage you to partake of the Lord's Supper. Just in you. 
This is just an ordinary bread. There's nothing magic in this one. This, not, this bread does not become the body of Christ. But this is the symbol of Christ's body that was broken for each and every one of us. As we partake it, let's partake it in faith. Let's partake it in faith that as, that as we eat this bread, God's blessing of healing will be upon us. Not only healing in our bodies, but healing in our relationship. Healing in the bodies is just it's nothing. What is important is healing in our spirit. That is the greatest miracle. When a person's life, when his sins are washed away, that is the greatest miracle. Father, as we partake of this bread, we remember how your body was broken for us. Let's partake of the bread. This cup is not the blood of Jesus. This is just a juice. But this is the symbol of the blood of Jesus. And you know what? The blood of Jesus is the one that washed our sins away. The Bible says, even though our life, our heart is so dark, because of the blood of Jesus, He can wash us white as snow. Jesus forgives us of all of our sins, the past, the present, and the future. Thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross so that we can have salvation. As we partake of this, I pray, Lord God, that we will always be mindful that you paid the price and Holy Spirit, I pray that you will help us to live a victorious life. In Jesus' name, let's partake of the juice. Okay. Did you learn something this morning? So as usual, we're going to have questions for you to ponder or to answer during your Bible study or D-group discussions. Or even in your family, as you sit at the table, you can probably talk about it. The first question is, we're encouraged to trust in the Lord 
with all our being. Is there a time in your life where you find yourself not trusting Him and simply relying on yourself? And the second question is, what things hinder you from completely trusting the Lord? <clears throat> 